And I guess we're live. I just want to make sure we are. And we are live. So uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm Dustin Coiner here from Track Days here in Southern California. And I'm on tonight with an absolute lunatic. This guy is good at fucking everything. He literally races dirt tracks, supermoto, road race, club race, pro race, uh, multiple disciplines all over the place. Andy Debrino is the guy's name, and yeah, he looks like Tron with his fancy gamer <laughs> headset tonight. But welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Yeah, just just got this fancy headset, so uh, yeah, looking fresh. <laughs> yeah, just uh, to be clear, that is Andy with a Y. Apparently, yeah. I'm a little bit three-quarter tarted. I, I misspelled his name originally with an I for some reason. I have no idea where I got that. I'm sorry about that. But whatever, we move on. <laughs> yeah, but forgive you. Yeah? All right, man. So, you know what? You know, talking about you being kind of that renaissance man, you know, like I was joking that you're one of those dudes that's like good, uh, good at everything. You're good at all these disciplines and, you know, kind of makes you hate you, you know, because you're like so good. It's not even fair, right? Like, tell me a little bit about like what it's like racing all those different disciplines like how did you get good at all of them well i mean i started with motocross so like a lot of people like myself you know uh motor, growing up motocrossing and then just randomly a friend of my dad was like hey there's a supermoto race in town you should try it and at the time they gave us like scooter tires and i threw them on a pit bike we had and <laughs> that was my intro to asphalt so obviously i was hooked and then that same year the red bull u.s rookie cup got announced for uh for the state so this was like 2007 so yeah hey i tried out my dad's like hey if uh someone thinks you're good enough to do this cool if not like i'm not gonna fund this like but i'll take you so went and did the tryouts didn't make it and of course my dad was like this is sick so he got me a vintage bike and i started club racing the next year in 08 and then yeah started flat tracking uh just because we you know in oregon where i live i'm just about 20 minutes from portland it rains a lot in the winter, so you know, look look for something to do in the winter time to keep riding other than just motocross. So we, we came across flat track racing at a at the indoor fairgrounds. So yeah, just kinda accidentally got into all these different things and I grew up idolizing Travis Pastrana. So, you know, obviously I was I knew of some of these other sports and I just wanted to be like him. And uh, yeah, it's just grew up just having fun and there was no specific goal. You know, I, I wasn't like groomed to be a supercross racer or a road racer. Like <laughs> my, my dad and I, you know, my dad races. We just kind of had fun doing, you know, going and traveling and trying new things together with motorcycles. And uh, it just led me here. So how did, how did you get into road racing? Like what, what got you started into road racing itself? Well, so when I didn't get accepted uh, into the Red Bull Rookie Cup tryouts, I, yeah, my dad was like, all right, well, let's look into what it takes to go club racing locally. And at the time, the entry level class was vintage racing. So Honda CD 160s. And okay. uh, so, yeah, he got me one of those and I signed up for Nava school. And, and uh, honestly, I, I wasn't very good at road racing. And, uh, you know, if it weren't for my dad making me follow through with my commitment to race, you know, try to teach me, you know, life lesson, you know, like I probably wouldn't have stuck with it because, I just wasn't very good at it, you know. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that everybody was cheating 
because back then, <laughs> back then our club Omra in Oregon, the class was called 250 Vintage, but it was a gentleman's agreement to race 160s. So my dad's like by the rules, like whatever the rule book says, he goes by it. So right. I'm getting I'm getting passed by like fat old dudes, and I'm like pissed. I'm like, because I'm at this point I'm like the top one of the top supermoto guys in the Northwest. Like I'm an accomplished motocrosser, and I'm like why am I struggling with this so bad? So it kind of frustrated me, but eventually, you know, I got more experience, got better. And, you know, a few years later, like I was winning club races and, you know, luckily I stuck with it because it's been a lot of fun, but I wish we so, had 250 ninjas back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you probably did. They were just, there was like a million of them back then, but the older like, gen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I did, after the CB 160, we got an RS 125, and that was a little bit better. But I remember racing this girl Mackenzie Anshin. I don't know if you've heard of her, but uh, I, you know, she'd pass me down the straightaway because she'd be like, she was like 80 pounds, and right. I passed her in the corner. So I was like getting frustrated racing her, and the two stroke stuff was just really difficult. So it wasn't until I got an SV 650s that I really started to cut my teeth and like enjoy road racing. So. So you were you were an SV guy. I didn't know that. Yeah, SVs. Yeah, I spent two years on those, and yeah, that's that's where I really like started owning my craft and getting into it. So, so what? Uh, am I mistaken? You did you race at R six? Yeah, yeah, I raced R sixes for a while. Did uh, Super Stock six hundred in Moto America the first two years. That's right. That's did the right. full season in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, and then was going to do the full season in 2017, but then I got sidetracked into flat track racing with the Super mm. Hooligan Series. Yeah, because I, re- I kind of remember, like, am I crazy? Digital camo or something? like. Yeah, 2016, I, so I used yeah. to ride for Icon. That's so, right. Yeah, okay. Icon had, like, a crazy camo scheme on my bike with fluorescent yeah. orange wheels. And the year before, I, I call it the Tiger King bike now because it was, like, blue tiger with orange <laughs> wheels. Yeah, uh, those were honestly like probably the two sickest schemes I've ever had. Those bikes were badass. But, yeah, uh, yeah, those were cool bikes. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, when I was kind of uh, running things at CVMA back in the day, like you, you would come down with uh, what's his name, uh, the mechanic guy, um, Eric Dorn. Dornvalls. Yeah, you'd come down with Eric, and um, you'd basically come and clean house. Basically, I remember that. I was like, man. You know, like, how the yeah. hell is this guy? Who the fuck is this guy? That, that must have been, you, you're probably working there then in 2017. Because I just, I just yeah. got a Yamaha R1. I never rode it, and I never rode Chuckwalla. Yeah. Um, or actually, take that back. I did a ridiculous uh, three-day camp with, like, campers Peterson and some guys back in 2016. That was my first time I ever got coached uh, with okay. Ken Hill or anybody. But anyway, showed up to Chuckwalla brand new r1 i never rode and i won everything but the shootout i was battling with Aaron and benny solis and i wanted it i got on a, a curb and it just low sided so but other than that like it was a good experience and i love that track that was i've had good good success there so right on so dude this this sport is pretty expensive you know and you i mean i i know last year i think you bought a new bike and prepped it and all that took it out and raced stock thousand with it right um, yeah yeah last year was it was tough so i've been racing a zx10r for a while uh yeah i got it brand new in 2020 and 
I've raced the crap out of it because I'm like club racing it with Omra, Wemra, plus doing some Moto America stuff. And the plan wasn't really to try to do the whole season of Moto America, but yeah, I was like, hey, if I'm going to Daytona for Super Hooligans, like I'm going to bring the ZX10 and take it to Atlanta because that was also a hooligan round. So I'm like, let's see how round one goes. And then it went well. So it was just like, all right, like now I'm committed. Like we're, we're, we're taking it round by round, but you know, by the you ridge, sound like, was, you, you sound like Stefano in that way, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I could see that you similar for sure. But, uh, yeah. uh, he's like, I'm like the West coast version of him, I guess maybe, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. I like the style, but, uh, but yeah, and unfortunately the bike just got to a point where it was just really wore out and the engine had pretty much expired and I got forced into either having to buy a whole new bike or try to get a ride for a team. And I decided to try buying a Honda off another stock thousand racer that was all set up instead of dumping money into a team and getting nothing out of it. And right. unfor- unfortunately I kind of bought a hot mess from some guy and it didn't work out and my season ended early, but oh, bummer. yeah, the thing, you know, I got it at Brainerd, never rode Brainerd for a session out. The bike had an oil leak and I'm almost crashing everywhere because oil was getting on the tire and, you know, I don't want to get into details with the engine guy that did it, but, uh, you know, we got sorted and the guy was there to help. So he was really cool. But then the next day in qualifying, I made it a lap into qualifying and I had a four cartridge come apart while I was riding and I crashed. I'm sure some of you have seen the video on my Instagram of it. Slow motion. Yeah. Uh, that's, th- I mean, I hate to say this shit out loud, but that sounds like somebody that uh, rhymes with Schmandy Schmalmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was, yeah, it was just a bummer, you know, you know, just stuff happens, you know, yeah. lesson learned, you know, it's always a risk when you buy a used race bike, you know, yeah. On paper, it was like, it was supposed to be really good. You know, it had the suspension I like to use. It had good parts on it. Like, it was supposed to be turnkey and ready to rock, and it ended up just yeah. being a disaster, you know. And then you get the thing home, go through the suspension, get that sorted, and then the motor had a problem, had to come apart. And then, you know, it's a it's a triple R Honda. It's rare. You can't just get parts quick. So it took forever to get parts from Honda. We had to get stuff from Japan, and literally the bike didn't get you know, back together and on the dyno and on a track until last December. And, you know, luckily it's good now, but, uh, now I'm going a different direction for 2023. Oh yeah. What direction would that be? Uh, different class, different class. Yeah. So, okay. I, I kind of have my gripes with the whole stock thousand class. Like it's been such a fun class. I've had good, you know, last year was really fun for me. You know, being a privateer, you're saying, you know, you're alluding to the expense side of it. And that's why, you know, going into the season, I was like not committed to the whole series because I'm like, there's no way I can afford to do it. But, you know, once the first round went well and we started building some momentum and then I got two podiums at the ridge, uh, you know, I was like, all right, I'm committed. And I was getting some sponsors. I was kind of, I took a page out of Kyle Wyman's book of trying to do the title sponsor on a race round basis and yeah had some luck with that but uh but yeah like like kind of going back to you know me having to stop racing the zx10 and switch to the honda was because that zx10 engine had been rebuilt 
a couple times and per Moto America stock thousand rules, they don't allow you to do any surfacing to the head. So yeah. I, I was basically having all sorts of issues with the bike overheating and, uh, you know, we're just like, look, we got to, we have to buy a brand new engine, which Kawasaki doesn't sell great engines. There's nothing low enough mile on eBay. And the other problem was they wouldn't let me swap. I had a 2021 bike with a brand new engine. They wouldn't let me swap that engine into the 2020 chassis because there was like a slight difference or something. So anyway, Moto America changed the rules for 2023. So maybe that was because of me. I don't know. But that was my, I was so frustrated. You're going to call that the Debrino rule? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's so silly. You know, I, I'm like doing really well on that bike and there's no performance advantage with the new motor. It was literally like an oil cooler or something. They updated. That was the only difference. Yeah. But yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't. What about swapping me. your race parts over to the new one? Well, I thought about that, but a lot of guys really didn't like the 2021 and newer Kawasaki's. They're having yeah. issues with electronics. So I've heard that. And I, I rode that 2021 stock, you know, EDR, uh, two or flashed it. Like it didn't have anything crazy, but I had, I had a 2018 and a 2021, both of them were tracted bikes set up the same way. And I was like three seconds lap faster on my 18, like something with electronics. I could not like the bike just wouldn't go. Like I'd be going up a hill and the things pulling power. Like, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't get it to work. Look. I talked to a lot of the racers at CRA that, that ditched their Cowies. And what you're saying right there is almost verbatim of what they were saying. And they were saying, too, they would get the thing going and it would feel like it was a good bike. And then they would come out the next day and it would be a completely different bike. Yeah, I, I just I didn't spend enough time on it. Uh, another, you know, I would have liked to rode the 2021 with the kit harness and ECU. And a, a guy I raced with locally, Kevin Pinkstaff. He had really good success switching from the 2019 to the 2022. And, you know, he's going, like, he set personal bests and he won a couple of number one plates. So, like, he's having great success with the bike. But I know a lot of people who did it. And my my little bit of impression I got riding the thing, I was like, I don't want to do this. So, uh, yeah. I, ideally, I wish I just could have stayed on that 2020 I had. And Kawasaki was super cool. They actually, they were paying me contingency even though my bike was ineligible oh. so that was really really cool like after road america i got a top five and they emailed me they're like hey you know your bike doesn't comply with our contingency stuff you know like you know so we're holding your funds like you need to have a green fender at least on your bike and a logo and i was like i literally was just like quick spray painted a fender send a picture with a logo i'm like will this work and they're like yep so they, they sent me money and then like the next week was the Ridge and I got a second, third, and that was seven grand. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that was huge. It's like five grand to win, 4,000, 3,000, you know, and it steps down. But yeah, so I was like, hell yeah. Like, you know, why switch to a new bike if I don't have to? But then again, like I said, the engine issue came up and we just, in the time frame we had, we couldn't do anything. We had to just swap to something else. So, so you, um, you're talking about the expense, like, you know, tell everybody what, what it is that Andy DeBrino does for a living to afford all of this. Because racing is not uh, inexpensive, obviously. So how are you getting this done, dude? Well, it's it's tough. I mean, I'm lucky, you know, first and foremost, my dad, he's been a supporter of mine for a long time. But uh, I, I got good sponsorship stuff, you know, nothing crazy. I mean, I wish I could be doing more, but 
like I said, last year I was doing that weekend sponsorship deal. That was kind of, you know, I get somebody to come in and do it for a round and get some good exposure out of it. So that was successful for me. But, but yeah, I mean, I purely just race motorcycles and, you know, at least before COVID, I had some pretty good deals and endorsements where I was making good money and it's been a lot harder to sustain this lifestyle since COVID, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it hasn't been easy, but I've been, been making it happen and trying to avoid a real job as long as I can. But yeah, literally like last year, like I said, I, I like we spoke about before the podcast started, I sold my Tacoma, you know, I bought the thing in 2018 brand new and I sold it for what I paid for beginning of last season to kind of help me fund the season. I sold that thing and bought like a $4,000 BMW wagon to replace it. So, you know, not yeah. the way I want to go racing, but luckily I had some really good years prior where things were good and sponsorship money was good where, uh, been able to kind of survive, but yeah, it's sort of like that privateer life. You kind of got to do what you got to do to stay out there and keep going, right? Yeah, I mean, shoot, like a couple Bounty summers. hunting at the clubs? Yeah, yeah, a couple summers ago, I was like working part-time for moto shippers, like, you know, using my van and trailer, like between race rounds to go move bikes around the Northwest. And okay. uh, yeah, and then obviously, like I said, I, I'm into RC car stuff. So like I paint RC car bodies on the side. I do some coaching. I have some sponsorship deals where... I get a little bit of money here and there, you know, and there's races I do where there's purse money. So yeah, it's, it's stressful. It's, it's really stressful. I wish I had just like, you know, I wish I had it easier, but I definitely have it better than some. So it's hard right. to complain, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I gotta, I hope something changes soon because I'm getting gray hairs and I'm 28. So it's, it's wow, not bro. easy. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering how, like, are are you uh, are you living at home or do you have your own place? I got my own place, so yeah, uh, yeah, I live here. Lived at this house for two years. I got really cool neighbors, so I, I literally live next door to my parents. And a few years okay. ago, a few years ago, my neighbors are like, "Hey, you want to rent the property, build a track? They have five acres." I'm like, "Heck yeah!" So we built a flat track and put in freestyle motocross setup, and right. uh, and then a house on their property came up, you know, for rent. So they offered it to me. So I got a pretty killer deal. It's, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. So I like being next to my parents next door and, but out of my own spot. So I've, I've got, I'm getting some questions coming in from uh, viewers. So I figured I would just roll into that for now. Um, I, I have a bunch of notes as well, but let's see here. Um, there's a few questions from Paul McMullen. Um, he says, uh, are there any rules changes that may help the eight nineties? And then he says, uh, the top three mods you would recommend for the eight ninety for intermediate or advanced track day riders. And then wish you were coming East for a race. Would love to see that eight ninety ridden. Well, good luck. Nice. Yeah. I recognize that name. Uh, so first question so for super, I'm assuming he's talking about super hooligans with fluids. Correct. So they did lower the weight limit from, or weight minimum, I should say, from 420 pounds to 397, which, yeah, that'll help us a little bit, but that it doesn't really change anything because now the Harleys and the Indians, like they're also allowed to get down to that weight. So it's funny, 
Super Hooligans posted a, they did a post. They're like, oh, you know, KTM should be able to take advantage of their lightweight nibbleness with this rule. But it doesn't change the fact that there's a huge power-to-weight ratio difference if they also get their bikes out that same weight. So, right. I mean, I'm, I'm happy about it because I get to shave 20 pounds of lead off my bike. I have 51 pounds of lead strapped to the bike. <laughs> and I'm 300 cc's down against an FTR 1200. But uh, anyway, yeah, that, that should help a little bit. I got a couple of changes to the bike in the works. So we'll see how that plays out at Daytona here soon. And then uh, uh, top three mods, I would say number one, suspension, especially if you're track day riding, the stock suspension is pretty soft. Works really good in the rain. I've, I've thrown the stock suspension on for racing in the rain, and that was like dialed. Suspension, exhaust, and tune. So there you go. Those are, that's what I would do. Right on. Okay, then, so... Brian Green, he's got a couple of questions. It sounds like you just answered one of them, but the other one would be, um, how'd you get hooked up with Dorn? I, uh, I mean, I live 15 minutes away from his shop, so yeah. I mean, it, it kind of has to go. It goes back more to more so to my dad, because like I said, when I was, I'm 28 when I started road racing. I think I was 13, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> dad, dad, dad is paying the bills, doing the business, and started working with Eric, I believe in 2011 and yeah, just kind of had a built a good relationship with him. And now he's, he's kind of, you know, he's family. He's kind of like a crazy uncle I have, <laughs> I would say that's, that's kind of the, the figure I, I would describe him as in my life. You know, I know, I know he's a, uh, a controversial figure in motorcycles, road racing, you know, you love him or hate him, you know, he's, a, I don't know if he's controversial. I, I, you know, to some people, I, uh... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So when I say his name, some people are like, "Oh, you know, like it's, you know, oh, like he's awesome," or "Oh, you know, that guy." Yeah, I mean, he. Um, it's kind of funny. I'll I'll say it. I don't give a shit. Um, you know, he. Um, every time he sees me, like he talks, he he comes up to my pit and like says crap about my attack stuff or whatever. And so the last time I saw him, I was at Thunder Hill, and he came up and said whatever he always says, and I pretended I didn't know him. <laughs> I was like, I don't recognize you, bro. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> he, uh, I've, I've heard some crazy stories about him in the past. I mean, he's like, you know, to me, like I, I've had nothing but a good experience. Like, I think he's a good dude. He does good work. He's a passionate guy. And you know what? Oh, Passion, super. Yeah. Passionate people, like they can come off, you know, passionate in a good way or sometimes passionate in a bad way, you know? Yeah. But I think, I think his work speaks for himself. But yeah, like I said, he, we met him a while back, you know, really just came down to, you know, we didn't have anybody solid in their area doing bike work. You know, my dad went through a couple of people before we started working with Eric and Eric's just been established. I mean, he's going on 25 years now. Yeah. He's had a shop. So he's just always been there, always been dependable. And that's, that was really like what we were looking for back then was we needed somebody who was going to be, be there for us at the track and, you know, consistent had a shop a place to work on stuff like just needed somebody legit a real pro yeah. So, yeah i mean clearly he does good work i mean like there's a bunch of people that run his stuff you know a bunch of afm guys that i know that run his stuff so and have for years you know I, and i've seen eric over the years like probably for shit probably close to 20 years i've seen eric at some capacity in an afm round somewhere button willow thunderhill 
I've even seen him at Chuck Walla with you and Devin McDonough. Yep. Yeah. Whatever happened to that dude? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Devin, uh, he's my best friend. Yeah. He uh, is he really? Yeah. Yeah. I just had dinner with him a couple weeks ago. Wow. He, uh, yeah, he's he has a dirt bike. He does trail riding stuff, but he he kind of got out of the road race stuff. Hit school pretty hard. Got a degree and got a job, and that's what he's been doing. Yeah, so. that's uh, that's the unfortunate things that happens to a lot of racers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I got I just got my degree a year ago. I, I did my two year degree in nine years. So I'll brag, but uh, yeah. So at least I got something to fall back on if it doesn't yeah. work out. But yeah, I I would love to get him out and do a track day. I've tried dragging him into racing again, and he's just he's at a different point in his life now. It's I don't for me I don't know how I could ever stop. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's Some, that's something a lot of people struggle with, you know, um, trying to figure out what they're gonna do or what they're gonna be without it, you know. Yeah. That, I don't like thinking about that part, yeah. of, you know, like I was pretty burnt out at the end of last year. So like from a, from a financial standpoint, I could see like taking, having to take a break or having to step away for that reason, just so you can kind of get recharged and come back at it. But yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Just, All right. So there's some more, there's some more comments stuff coming in from people. Um, Gonzo says, speaking of expensive, what's the average club racer pay to ride a full season ballpark versus someone like you who does Moto America and all that fun stuff? Oh, that's a, it's a tough broad question. I mean, uh, man, like to do it. It's like, you don't really want to know, right? Well, (laughs) there's so many variables depending on what bike you're riding, what skill level you are. Like, I mean, you could probably go race a Ninja 400 pretty cheap. You know, you could probably, yeah, yeah, I don't even know how to say it because it just depends on like, are you going for wins? Are you doing everything you can to win? You know, fresh tires, race gas, like all that stuff. You know, I can yeah. tell you, just to kind of give you an idea of what a Moto America weekend looks like, running stock thousand, it's about seventy five hundred dollars a weekend. You know, for me to go do a race uh, on the East Coast when we did the Ridge, that's local to me, so that the cost of running that program was a lot less, but. I mean, our tire bill is still over two, $2,000 to run that. And, yeah. you know, you add up the fuel and all that stuff, it gets expensive quick. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I've had many discussions on here about the, that tire thing. And, you know, having the tires be open would allow riders like you to get sponsorship to help the program. But then again, the program probably gets a pretty good chunk from Dunlop to keep going. So... Yeah, I you know chicken egg. <laughs> yeah, I've been a Dunlop guy for over ten years, so like, I I don't think it would hurt me if it was an open tire deal, but I do like the spec thing because it just kind of like I'm not thinking like oh that guy beat me because he has better tires, you know I don't know it's, yeah it's, it's it's nice to have some things that you don't have to think about you know it just yeah. kind of but for a lot of people it is a big uh like that's always a factor there's a guy i race with you know at wemra and he's a fast club racer guy and but it's tough for him to run the dunlops he's got to change his setup he says like for some people it's just this big obstacle but i'm like hey man if you want to be a pro racer you got to run dunlops like get used to it 
Yeah, quit your crying and grit up. Uh, yeah, just go race. <laughs> it's just, you know, they're black and round. Like, what's the problem? Wow. That's, I like that. I like that attitude, too. Man. That's great. <laughs> That's great. And you kind of have to, to to be able to pull off what you're doing, right? I mean, you you got to just go get it done. Yeah, I mean, I I don't understand the mentality. Like, people, like, say they can't go do a club, or they can't do a Moto America race because they have to switch tires and all that crap. It's like, if you're a serious racer, like, you're going to go out and do it. It doesn't matter what tire it is, you know? I don't know. I don't, there's not too many people I know that are like that, but... So you're, you're kind of a bounty hunter then, and... You know, I know that you've had number one plates with, um, was it Umrah? And did you get a one plate in Umrah. Umrah too? I've never done a full season. I almost won the number one plate at Umrah in 2021. I saw you got a two plate there, but I wasn't sure if you got a one plate there. Yeah, I did like five of seven rounds and I literally lost it by like two points. Yeah, I like I won pretty much every race I was at. And it literally came down to. Uh, I went to this track, Pacific Raceways. I've, I've been there, like, the last time I'd been there was over 10 years ago. I'd only been there once in my life. And I show up to the finale of Lemre, and Saturday was dry, and I won the races, but then it rained Sunday. So I was kind of just nervous because that track, there's just falls everywhere. They literally have, a like, a kink in the straightaway. You go from, like, you know, a paved straightaway, and it cuts over, like, zigzags onto a drag strip. And they call it the death shoot because there's just walls and you're going 160 miles an hour through it. And I was, yeah, long story short, I, I got like fifth and I needed to be fourth, you know, to win the thing. And it was just super wet, super sketchy. And we got good it, rain it riders. It sounds like it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like we're in SoCal, bro. Like it barely ever rains down here, man. So it's, yeah. Rain, when it does... You know, you know, it, it uh, a lot of guys won't go out. I won't go out if it's like a track day or something because I'm like, dude, if it's a race, I'll go out. But if it's not, nah. Yeah, it, nor- it gets your bike all dirty. <laughs> it does. Normally, I'm a demon in the rain. Like my, my first ever Moon America podium was in the rain at New Jersey back in the 600s. But uh, on that ZX10 earlier in the year, I had two crashes like back to back, like so I was like kind of wigged out. Like it was a, I don't remember what her issue was. I think her suspension was too stiff at the time. So anyway, I was like, I should have won that race at one run, but like I hadn't ridden in the rain for like six months. And the last time I did, I ate shit. So I was, I was being a little careful out there. We'll be careful. But, uh, yeah, I mean, bounty hunter, I, you know, I think I just race what looks fun and, you know, what's going to give me exposure. So it's tough because, you know, club racing, you're not going to get a lot of exposure doing it, but it's a lot cheaper to do because, you know, I can get tire support from them off and, you know, entries are less, but, you know, Moto America, that's where you're going to get exposure. But, you know, the price is so steep and it's, it's, it's tough. I try to, the last few years, I've just been trying to do a few rounds here and there just to kind of keep my name in the ring and, you know, I, I do it because I love it. But last year I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I really want to be back here full time. And, you know, club racing is always going to be there. But but it's challenging, man. Like, I, it's like last year I drove to Daytona by myself. So that's a four-day a four drive from Oregon. So I loaded up all my stuff. I loaded up my GX10. <laughs> I loaded up my, my KTM Dukes. Drove out to Daytona by myself. You know, no hotels, just sleeping in my van get there, load everything in by myself. 
Eric, uh, Eric and my girlfriend flew in. My dad couldn't come at the time because he he was just he just had shoulder surgery. So, but yeah, literally, I, I like just get there and you know I, I load all the stuff. Like I'm taking tires to Dunlop. I'm going to the media center to get my screw or my photo stuff done for Moto America. Like I'm doing everything, and then I go race. I've never raced at Daytona, and I ended up qualifying in pool and winning, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, it's yeah. You took everybody to school and shocked shit out of everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, I I shocked myself. I mean, the track the track was pretty easy to learn, but uh, but yeah, I, I just I don't know too many other people though that you know drive that far alone, like do that. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys. You know, that's that's funny. That's one thing I remember about Stefano, like seeing him on Motor America broadcast changing his wheel on the grip on the pit lane during qualifying stuff so but yeah like go into that kind of effort to get out and go race you know and then just kind of grinding any way i can to get to the next race get the sponsorship and you know just doing whatever it takes so like i enjoy that it's fun kind of being an underdog privateer in that sense because you know maybe people don't expect a lot out of you so when you can do good it's like extra rewarding well, honestly, dude, like just from this side of the fence watching, it looks like nobody's had more fun than you, man. Like you are out, you're being a goon on a dirt bike, a supermoto, dirt tracker. Like you, you look like you're having a good time doing that thing. Like, tell me a little bit about the van life. Like you're, you're pretty much sleeping in that van when you're racing. Uh, not, not all the time. I mean, I, I definitely travel a lot in it like normally this time of the year i'm coming down to socal a bunch i'm actually getting ready to come down and ride with your track day company and do cra so yeah i'll sleep in it i mean i definitely try to like crash at friends houses you know if i have to get a hotel or whatever and it's nice when tracks have showers but yeah you know, normally normally at like any moto america event like yeah i might sleep in that on my way there but we'll get a we'll get a hotel or something so you, you got to have that at those events or we have our RV. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there are more comments are coming in too. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's see here. Um, Abraham 4131 says that, uh, let's see on that. You on that 890 KTM was flying out on that last formula ultra race. Oh yeah. This was, this was at Omer last September. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Portland International Raceway, but it's Dude, just... Dude, I've only seen old uh, Formula USA videos on Road oh, Race okay. World of it. Yeah, there's, <laughs> dude, there's like no... It's like, you know, two big straightaways, only a few corners. So it's a horrible track for an 890 because there's no fairing. And I'm racing it against 1,000cc bikes. So, you know, we, we didn't have a, a big turnout for the 1,000s that weekend. So I was mm. able to snag a, snag a podium, you know, but... Yeah, I was, I was definitely vlogging that thing out there. Nice. Nice. All right. And then uh, Brian Green, he, Brian's got to actually, he emailed me a story. That, you know what? I'm going to tell that story real quick. <clears throat> he says he's got a funny story. Um, he says that you guys were at the Ridge. Um, I can't remember the name of the organization. But he says uh, they were asking the writers meeting if they were going to – you asked the writers meeting if uh, they were going to run the chicane that day. And they said no <laughs> and had a bunch of about. excuses as to why and whatever. And, um, and then apparently you said loud enough for everybody to hear, yeah, I know, corners are, are hard. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I definitely said something like that for sure. I remember that. That was last summer. And I think I was frustrated because I want to say that was the day we had, yeah, that was the day we had my Honda out. Like I just got it back from EDR after getting the thing fixed up after Brainerd. So I was there to test the suspension and some stuff. And like I was mad because I couldn't compare lap times. Because we, we always run the chicane for racing and track day stuff now. So I was yeah. like, dang, dang it, like, I got to run without the chicane? Like, now now I can't really know where this thing's at. So I don't, I don't have any lap time there without the chicane. Like, yeah, so it's been a while. So, yeah, no, I definitely said that. <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, that. I'll, I'll be straight up with you, man. It sounds like a, something in uh, another um, – old bounty hunter guy would say you know shane turpin would say would say silly shit like that in the writers meetings at mra yeah no, normally yeah. i'm normally i'm like i won't say stuff like that like i always try to be really quiet and whatnot but i don't know what was what i what was my issue that morning but literally kind of what it comes down to there sometimes or, or what it came down to like i asked i talked with the track day company a little bit and they're like oh it was like they were saying it was like a, a couple hundred dollars more to run it with the chicane, so they didn't. I was like, really? Like, I'll, I'll pay you the difference to run it with the chicane. I, it was literally something like that petty. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. But, so you ride, uh, you ride a lot of bikes. Uh, Daniela, <clears throat> I was going to ask this too, but I'll give her the credit. Uh, Daniela asked me, like, if you had to ditch all your bikes except one, uh, which one would it be and uh, why? I hate these questions because I like them all. You know, that's why I'm, that's why I ride everything. Like people are like, you know, if you could just do one discipline, what would you do? You know, it's tough. I'm like, I want to do them all. They're all fun. I don't want to quit. But I guess if I had to get rid of them all, keep one bike, it probably would be the Duke. But uh, at the same time, like I'm a dirt biker at my core. So, you know, if, if, if it was like, if racing wasn't an aspect involved in this decision, I would take a dirt bike, you know. But if if, I, if racing's involved, I want to race my 892. That thing's fun. It's just like a big supermoto bike. It's really playful. That's cool. I yeah. mean, it's like I said, nobody's having more fun than you. I figured you would say something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I hope I never have to just consolidate to one bike. I've had to consolidate a little bit lately, but yeah, I definitely, I got to have a dirt bike, got to have a, a road race bike. I'm actually flat track bikeless at the moment. I'm hoping to do a new build at some point later this year, and then hopefully we'll have another supermoto bike in the arsenal at some point. So, so is KTM helping you out? Because it looks like you got a bunch of orange stuff, or am I crazy? Yeah. Yeah, no, KTM helps me out. I also have a dealership that helps me out. So my motocross bikes are demos from a dealership. So I get those, I get, you know, one or two a year and I give those back usually at the end of a year or two and swap them out for new ones. So super lucky on that, on that uh, side of things. And then, yeah, with the Duke program, I am supported by KTM. So they, I've been working with them since 2019 when I first, when the 790 Duke first came out, I was the first guy to get a 790 Duke and convert it to flat track racing. Yeah. And then uh, they kind of helped me out a little bit behind the scenes, but they actually couldn't 
fully support me because at the time I was sponsored by Rockstar Energy and Rockstar is a brand partner of Husqvarna, which mm. is owned by KTM. So it was really weird. Like <laughs> they they're really strict about their their branding. So you know, Rockstar was like, hey, you you have to paint the bike black. It can't be orange. And KTM like couldn't, you know, they couldn't really do anything. So when, when my Rockstar deal ended in 2021. Then KTM came in with support, and I've been orange, like full orange ever since. So anything KTM I can ride, I ride. But yeah, they they hook it up, and uh, they'll be helping me out again this year. So you know, be road racing Super Hooligans Boat America full time uh, with support from KTM. So yeah, they rock. And they're they're cool with you racing other stuff. Yeah, they're they're super cool. They. Uh, you know the the duke program that that's what we're really focused on but you know they don't make a a a super bike so you know when i'm racing the zx10r or the honda like that's all cool so our deal is pretty relaxed you know they they really don't ask anything of me like i pretty much built my relationship with them like just by getting introduced to them and you know keeping in contact with them like you know sending them photos and videos and you know just really trying to be an ambassador for them like you know it wasn't like they were actively seeking me out like i saw i sought them out and was able to build a relationship and they've been like super stoked on it um you know literally where it started was a friend like i met a friend who worked in the media department for ktm so he was in charge of managing the fleet of bikes that they would you know loan out to you know magazines and test riders and stuff and through him and also chris fulmore who is the uh, flat track team manager and a, a road racer he uh he contacted me with like the head of marketing so kept contact with that guy and then through that guy like now i know the ceo and met the ceo of atm recently at red bull straight for them so now i got like my contacts and i got yeah, i got really good support from them so that's cool, i was really man. I was really trying to get them into Moto America with like a full on Red Bull factory effort, but that they're just not there yet. And there's, there's certain factors, you know, but I'm really lucky to have what I have because there's not a lot of people in the paddock that truly have support from the manufacturer. Like it, I, I'm so lucky I get to go down there and, you know, work on bikes and they give me bikes and parts. Like that's super cool. So, I, I definitely like super fortunate for that. Like it means a lot to me that they have interest in what I'm doing. And it's really cool. Like, you know, these guys reaching out about the KTM, you know, asking me questions about the KTM. I've never had such fanfare by riding anything else. You know, I've raced a lot of different motorcycles, but there's some really diehard KTM fans and not just from the States, but around the world. So is there like a nickname for them? Cause I know they call the Ducati people Ducatisti or whatever. Like, yeah, they're like... not, not that I know of. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Like the, I don't know what KTM, you know, the, the Duke, that's what, you know, the people are really passionate about that are KTM fans. And it's crazy. I, I had like, like someone from Malaysia message me. They're like, Oh, you know, I'm so excited to see someone racing a Duke. Cause what other series are people racing Dukes in that's, you know, major? So the Super Hooligan class, it's like really the only major racing series in the world where there's naked bikes out racing. So, yeah, 
so yeah, there's like I get messages from random countries. People are stoked to see it, dude. You know, CRA kind of copied Hooligans rulebook basically. We're like, hey, we're gonna we're not really gonna call it Hooligans because like that wouldn't be kosher, right? I'm sure Roland would not be stoked on that. But um, we have a class similar to that. It's called Ruffians. Hmm. So what do you think? What do you think about about that? I mean, it's a different name. I mean, the hooligan name they don't own. I mean, they're they're what separates super hooligans is just the super in front of it, you know. Yeah. And, and then Roland's name attached to it. But there's all sorts of hooligan series. But yeah. So what what is that class? Because I'm I it's a, up. the same kind of thing. Up we have a heavyweight version as well. This is basically upright bars. It's you know what is it 120 whatever horsepower and then yeah I don't know if off the top of my head but it's something like I, it's it's like hooligans. Have. Right? Might have to sign up for that. I, I'm planning on racing my bike in the 600 races. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I do pretty well against, you know, some Moto America dudes local and at the Ridge. So I know you guys got a couple fast kids down there. So we'll see what yeah. I can do. But There's some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kettleson goes really good there on the 600, you know? And yeah, he... he uh, yeah, I feel like it'd be hard to match him there, but the kid I battled with at the Ridge is Dave Kolstad, and he just beat Kelson at CVMA. So I battled David when he's on his ZX6, ZX6, and I'm on my 890, so maybe we'll see how they how we fare. You know, it just depends on the yeah. track, because David at PIR will just gap me, because there's big straightaways, but... Yeah. But, uh, but I'm excited. I haven't been to Buck Willow since... Probably an AFM round like five years ago, I'd say. Wow. So. Well, appreciate you coming down, dude. That'd yeah, be it'd be good to see you. I'm I excited. Been... I wish I wish more clubs allowed the 890 in their their 600 races. Like you're like one of the only clubs CVMA doesn't. Their limit is 850 cc's for twins. And they, yeah. they tell me tell me to run with the thousands. I'm like, well, that makes no sense. But. Yeah, I mean we're. Uh... We're new, right? So, um, when you're a when you're a new club, you can make adjustments that established clubs can't make anymore. You know. Yeah. So you know it's like really easy to steer the boat when it's a tiny speedboat, but when it's the Titanic, it's you know hard, aircraft carrier or whatever. It's harder, right? So, um, but cool. Um, I know I know you and I both have been kind of scumbagging our donut media buddy to, to go <laughs> racing which is kind of fun yeah yeah i, I uh i'll have to run that by him I feel like uh i kind of already did <laughs> oh you did you did yeah he he uh when i first started talking to him, he's just like hey, i have a buddy i want to get better than like maybe you can help me get yeah. faster so yeah I, I don't know who that is exactly but uh it'll be fun to work with him at, i have a few ideas level. i have a few ideas who those people are and I think yeah. I think he I think at least one of the guy works at Yamaha, so that's yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, that's great, yeah. man. Okay, so you know what? Shifting gears a little bit. I know there's a bunch more. You know what? Let's go to the comments. Let's go. Let's blow through the comments real quick. All right. So uh, let's see. <laughs> okay. So yeah, some you were talking about Stefano earlier and the uh, bearded Jixer. Um, says last time he saw Stefano, he was riding around on an electric ice chest. Oh God, <laughs> that dude! I I almost 
ass packed him so hard coming out of, uh, I think it was in a qualifying session at Laguna. We're coming onto the front straightaway last corner at Laguna and something happened and he like, his bike like cut out or something and he looks back and I'm like, almost like did what Josh Heron did to that guy. Like just oh, almost annihilated him. Uh, he was riding an electric bike in that race. Yeah, he was and he was having a, I mean, I was watching, I was stuck behind him for like a lap because things so fast down the straightaway. But like, it was, it looked like a wild ride. It, it didn't look that easy to ride. So I was just like, I thought I was just like nervous trying to get around him because I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> but it sounds like they might be doing that, you know, racing that thing again. So I'm curious. Yeah. So. I think they're, uh, the last time they came out, they had a, um, they were out at our Thanksgiving weekend event and they had um, like the, the actual road race version of that electric bike from the world championship. And so I don't know if that bike's going to be allowed in that or not. I, I don't really know, but yeah, the, the rules for super Hooligans, uh they're <laughs> loose. They're loose. Well, they're welcoming. Yeah. It'll right? be interesting to see how the balancing goes, especially yeah. with the, you know, the Pan America coming in. So we'll see. All right. So let's see. Like, I have another question from Brian Green, but I'm going to save it for later because it, it applies to something I have in my notes here. Um, yeah. Abraham saying that um, EDR, EDR scored you attack, scored him attack rear sets for his old Jixer. Um Let's see. Oh, I wish Attack made parts for the KTM, man. That's I've been talking to Yosef. Like, come on, man. Like, make crew sets. Like, dude, and you know, you know he's like that dude. Yosef, he's KTM. He yeah. bleeds orange, dude. Like every yeah. time I see him, he's got fucking orange shit on his body. Like whether yeah. it's he probably has a KTM tattoo, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bummer that I'm riding all these bikes now that Attack doesn't make parts for. It. So I mean, I still have their handlebars on my on some of the bikes like the Honda and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, like unfortunately I'm gonna have to go a different route, like for parts. For what are you year. uh what are you doing with that Honda? I know you said you're gonna race a different class. Are you gonna race Superbike? Uh I, I I'll probably be announcing what I'm doing probably oh, a little it. bit over a week. I yeah, <laughs> it's it it's I'm excited about it. Um you know, so yeah we'll We'll see. There's not that many classes, so you know, right. sure you might have an idea in mind. I, I am eligible for Junior Cup. I'm not saying I'm doing Junior Cup, but you're not. You're not doing I, Junior Cup. Shut the fuck up. You're not doing Junior Cup. Nah, <laughs> I did. I did just get an RC390. Like some people were like, "What?" Like you know, Junior Cup. I'm like, "No, nah, no." Nah. I mean, I saw pictures of Aussie Dave riding an R7 last weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. So, oh wait, I I. I I almost just spilled beans. I can't. So maybe um, maybe we have a follow up at some point. I can talk all right. about it. Yeah, I'll check a, in with you during the season. How about that? There'll be a lot of questions probably okay. a week from now. So I, I really wish I could have brought that out tonight. I just I'm still waiting on a couple things. But yeah, the Honda. I really want to race it, like, but I also can't really risk it if I'm going to try to sell it. So yeah, but yeah. It's uh, it's cool, you know. It like says the, you know, 2021 Fireblade Triple R Honda, and yeah, it's a cool bike. It you know everything's good and sorted now. 
So I would have liked to kept it around, but I'm just going to keep the ZX10. Cause yeah, you're going to ditch it so you could afford to keep doing what you're doing. Exactly. That right. yeah, help selling that bike will kind of help fund, you know, some of the other fun that's coming up. So. All right. So there's a couple of questions about you know, bearded Jixer wants to know. Uh, have you thought about racing the RC8C thing? Oh, I would love to. Uh, those bikes are so limited. So KTM, they don't even get one in for media purposes oh, to loan okay. out. So yeah, I've rode one before, and I'll probably get to ride one a few more times this year. There's some owners, a handful of owners actually in the Northwest that have them. Is that but that thing with the mustache wing thing? The winglets, yeah. So what that is, it's basically a Kramer but okay. a few different parts on it and KTM's kind of touched to it, but those are built by Kramer and hmm. it's got the 890cc parallel twin, just like the 890 Duke. But there's a lot of differences actually, like, you know, the airbox. there's so many different things. Like those bikes produce a bit more power than the 890, but I can't necessarily like take those mods off that bike and put them on my bike and make my bike faster, but they're super trick. They're, you know, expensive. So, and the, the other hard part, you know, when you race those things is they don't really fit in any classes because they're not a production, you know, homologated street bike. So, you know, some clubs you can race them in a 600 superbike class, but really the only place you can race them is Arma. Mm. Most most series don't have a class for them, and they're not legal for Moto America because, again, they're not a production street bike. They're a purpose-built track bike. Right, right. So do you have a – do you have like a nemesis – that you've raced against that you just battle this person every time? Uh, yeah, I have a few. I mean, you know, for the longest time, it was my buddy Devin McDonough. So he, he was like the one kid I loved to race because, I mean, we're best buddies. Like we, back in 2014, we were both racing Gixxer Thousands at Omra and going head-to-head for the number one plate. And it was kind of a – it was a pretty cool season because – our mentor, this guy, Alan Schmidt, he won the Omar number one plate 10 years in a row. He's this stocky, short little Canadian dude. And <laughs> he, he was a badass. He's still a badass. Anyway, he, he retired. So like, this was the first season in 10 consecutive years that was open. Like there was going to be a new winner. And me and Devin, we both won six races each. Uh, we both blew up at least one engine. I had another, like I had an extra mechanical seat. Devin ended up winning the title, but like, we were breaking the lap record every other weekend. Like we were just pushing each other so hard. And like at the end of it, we'd still hang out and go play video games at each other's houses. So that's like, he's like my favorite nemesis. Uh, I would say lately guys have been battling with, uh, I like battling. I've been battling a lot with Corey West. He's probably my main nemesis right now, especially okay. in Super Hooligans, you know, O'Hara as well. But I haven't raced with Tyler a lot, and I, I really didn't get to race with him a whole lot last year because I was either, like, pretty, you know, I was ahead of him by a ways or he was ahead of me by a ways. So there wasn't a whole lot of us actually racing. But me and Corey scrapped it out a lot, and so that was cool. It's, it's funny now, like, I never thought I'd be racing with these guys, you know. Like, I, I grew up watching, you know, AMA Road Racing, so I, I would see O'Hara. I've seen O'Hara like back in 07 doing Supermoto USA, like I was racing the Sierra 150R and I'm watching him race the pro class. So like 
it's funny how long I've known some of these guys, like maybe not known them personally, but I've seen them at the races and stuff. So yeah, Corey West right now, I used to, I used to battle a lot with Dion Campbell, like at the club stuff and okay. at Super Stock 600 yeah. days. So, but there's not really a whole lot of people I don't like racing with. I mean, there's a few. I'm not going to name names, but... Oh, come on. I was going to ask you that next. Who do you not like? Come on, let's do it. No, no. <laughs> so, but I'm a pretty friendly guy. Like, I, there's really not a lot of people. There's not... I can name on one hand some guys that really don't like racing. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that pretty normal, right? Like, but, I mean, this sport... The sport, most for the most part, everybody is just like buddies, you know? And then there's that select few, like couple three four people ever you know yeah i mean i, I love good racing i love good racing i mean yeah. I, i'm really like i'm bummed i haven't been racing a lot this or at all this winter like last year i went down i was basically at chuck wallet october december january february and i was you know found with michael gilbert every weekend Corey alexander aussie dave so oh there we had so many good battles down there so I, I like good racing, so, I mean, yeah, I can't really think of too many people that are sketchy that I don't like to battle with or that, you know, anytime I start getting, like, in that mindset where it becomes negative, you know, I, I really got to, yeah. like, try to step back and say, you know what, like, I'm lucky to do this. This is really cool. Like, I shouldn't have, like, a personal grudge against somebody. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I try, I try really hard to kind of keep myself level on, you know, when it comes to the the nemesis stuff but it's fun to have a rivalry yeah like, like I, rivalry I had, nemesis whatever you want to call it yeah i, I have i have kind of a fun story so with super hooligans flat tracks before rolling sand series became a, a road racing series yeah in 2017 the first year i was uh leading the championship and going into the last round this guy justin baber who you know you look at me i'm like a clean most of the time a clean cut guy uh you know, very, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like Travis Pastrana. It, yeah. I wish, yeah. I wish and that's, that's who I try to be like professional, you know, well-spoken, you know, not doing dumb stuff. Yeah. And then there's this guy just, uh, or Jordan Baber is his name. He's this kind of a redneck dude from Iowa. Metal you know? militia. No, right? like not metal militia, but like, you know, big beard, like cowboy hat, cowboy boots, you know, kind of a rough and tough type of type of guy. And we're both the same age, but like just totally different. And he like tried taking me out as I'm as he's a lap down. Like he's trying to take me out while I'm battling for the title. So like that kind of started this rivalry because he also won some races, but I don't know what his beef was with me. I think he just like didn't like that I was doing well. Like he was jealous or something. And then that kind of spilled over into the next year. And he started doing better, better, and you know we're kind of battling for this title. And really, about halfway through the season, like I was long gone, like he wasn't really a contender anymore. But like he thought I cheated at some race, like I started on the front row, and he thought I wasn't supposed to be on the front row. And literally after the race, like I ended up winning this race. We're racing on a pier in San Francisco where they had the first ever X Games, and there's like 3,000 people. And after I win the race, like on my victory lap, he comes over and punches me in the helmet in front of everybody and like he's Classy. just going yeah like he's going nuts i'm like what? like i'm just like i i was just speechless like i didn't even know what to do i was just shocked and then like you know then the next race we go to 
uh, super hooligans on their social media. They like posted a photo of us in practice next to each other and they captioned like, you know, oh, best friends in practice. Like they were just like fueling the fire. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. So like we, <laughs> this, this guy, Jordan ends up beating me in the dash for cash and then we go into the main event and I smoked him in the main event and we're on the podium ceremony in front of all these fans and he's literally like flipping me off, like point blank, like cussing me out. And I'm just smiling oh, at him. Someone took a picture of us. Like I was smiling, holding the trophy and he's like faces right next to mine, like just bean mugging me, like, you know, and anyway, eventually like in the moment I was like really upset about it. Like I didn't like it. I don't like controversy. And you know, I talked to the series. I'm like, Hey, like you gotta do something about this guy. Cause it started becoming a problem where like other racers were having incidents. Like literally we're in wow. Sturgis and this, they were like accusing another racer or something and they ended up getting into a fight and like Jordan's dad who you could describe him. This is not my quote. This is someone else. I know that said this, he's a trucker Santa Claus. That's what he looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine trucker Santa Claus. That's his dad. And uh, dad gets in the fight. And anyway, like, he stopped kind of coming out to the races and then I saw him later and like, I became friends with him. Like, I think he just got over it and yeah. I just, I just put it behind me. Looking back, it was awesome. Like, I think that totally was cool. Like having that rivalry, like it created some really cool, uh, uh, just content, you know? And it makes but, it fun too. Like when there's a little rivalry, it just, for the fans anyway, at least. It exactly. It, right. Looking back, it's like, it's, it's kind of fun to talk about. And like, I would, I would have a beer with Jordan now. Like I, I keep the tabs on him on social media. Like I like watching stuff, you know, like we're very different. He's very like not a social media guy and I'm very out there on social media. And, you know, we're from two different parts of the country, two different lifestyles. Like he's a diehard Harley guy. He's been riding Harley's forever. Him and his dad build in the shop. And I'm just kind of racing whatever I can or whatever I want at the time. So I'm not, we're just very different. But yeah, like, yeah, that was a really like kind of hardcore rivalry that I had. But like I said, cool. now, now, like I'm, like I said, I try to be cool with everybody. So, all right. So I'm going to talk to you about coaching just next, but I'm going to go through some of the comments. Uh, there's some more coming in so um let's see wow brian green like you got a lot of questions buddy um paul mcmullen let's see oh yeah he's he's already asked about that okay let's see oh gonzo wants to know if you're going to be at podium club for round two of cra and how do you how do you go about learning a new track you've never ridden before probably won't be at podium club unfortunately my bikes are getting picked up I think on the 26th of February to be taken out to Daytona. So that sucks because I wanted to do CBMA that weekend. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be racing because I don't really have a, unless my ZX-10 gets finished here soon, maybe I would love to take my ZX-10 down and race that at CRA or Dude, the Podium soon. Club is crazy good, dude. Like it's... Yeah, I haven't been there yet, but uh, I've had some invites to go out there and, and coach with a friend of mine, so... I'll probably make it out there sooner than later, but, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to get out there. What was the right. other question? Yeah. Was so, okay. Two? So yeah, there's a, who's your favorite racer to race against? I think we just talked about that. Um, and then, you know, these are Brian Greens. So I'd say uh, favorite, favorite racer to race against might be Travis Wyman. We just have a really good respect for each other. I think 
So right on. yeah, I've raced against Travis Wyman. I I remind him too because he's he's so good, right? I'm like, hey man, remember that time I beat you by nine seconds? <laughs> 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 like this fat guy beats him, but he I don't know, he was having trouble or something that day. But um, I I love to remind Travis of that just because we're buddies or whatever. But yeah, it's fun. Um, <laughs> okay, so. Uh, and then, uh, what was it like to to grid up with Gagne and some of those big dogs? It's cool. It was, you know, for sure, nerve wracking in the beginning. You know, and obviously, shoot, I've been racing. Right? I think my first superbike race was in 2020. That was a really weird time. Like going to the ridge and there's no fans. Going to the yeah. and there's no fans. You were there but, at the test I was at. You actually yeah. led me around. I was like trying to learn the place, and you're like, "Oh, dude, just follow me." Yeah, so, yeah, that's when I first got the ZX-10. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Like, now now it's it's uh, it feels more normal. You know, it's a little bit different because I'm racing a stock thousand, so when I'm going out there, it doesn't really feel like I'm racing Gagne because I never see him. You yeah, know? Nobody else does either, bro. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's it's cool. It's funny, I, I, I'm pretty sure I used to play, like, Halo way back in the day with Gagne and, like, Boviate a few dudes like this was like probably like 2008. I don't even know if Jake plays video games anymore, but uh, I don't think uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> he, play too many video games still. He but. doesn't. He doesn't strike me as a video game guy, dude. Like he's more of like um, I don't know. He's like off the grid kind of dude. Seems like. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I, it's cool going out and you know being in the main show it's it's kind of gnarly you know it's tough it's tough out there but yeah it, it is cool like last year i got a couple top 10 so i was like super super proud of that i won a super bike cup race or two and and it's fun when you're out there actually battling those guys you know back in uh the there was a rain race at road america i was in and like i remember passing hector barbara and you know, it's just super cool when you get to get out there and get a toe off those guys. Like, it is so fun being on the track with those caliber of riders. Like, that's that's the most fun part is when you actually get to race some of those guys. Make you want to race Superbike, like, for real? I mean, it, it'd be fun, but, like, you, oh, it's so expensive. Like, yeah. It's so expensive. That. So, yeah. I that. It'd be rad. I'm curious to see how Corey's going to do on a Superbike this year. I feel like it's there's a lot of really good guys that have a hard time really making that bid for the front on a podium. Well, it seems it, it seems like a big jump, you know. I, I I was there. I saw I saw you're talking about Corey Alexander, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him at the test and in December, and he looked like he was trying to figure it out, you know, because I think the Superbike. It's quite a bit faster than the stock thousand bike and it's got a lot more electronic capabilities yeah it's funny it's hard to really imagine a bike being that much faster than a stock thousand i mean i'm sure it's possible i i haven't really rode i don't even know what the fastest bike i would say i've rode is but i mean but you I've still rode... get the lap times right i mean yeah i mean i've had a couple guys in stock thousand and the top guys in Superbike. it's not the same not even close yeah. not even the same ballpark yeah, I mean, I've had a couple. I'd like to think that, like, if Jake or, you know, those types of guys got on the bike I was riding, that I'd be within a second of them. Like, I'm, I'm confident Jake's going to go faster on me than whatever, 
you know, he's always going to be faster than me, right? But like right. that gap in our lap time, I do believe, yeah, a big chunk of that is the bike. But for me, like I, I've never had the opportunity to do data and do that stuff. I mean, me, when, it, when I'm at a Motor America race, it's my dad and I, and if we're lucky, we have Eric with us. And we're so spread thin, we don't have time to look at data at all. I mean, not that you can run a lot of data in Stockhausen, but like we're not even downloading just, you know, data off my aim solo to look at. We don't have time. Okay. So like I, I'm pretty much like yeah, that's all on tap for me. I've never had that luxury to be able to do that type yeah. of stuff. So only if that, right? that would be that would be the big job for someone like me is trying to learn that. But I feel like it's it's a challenge, but you look at a good team, you know, they got good people to walk you through that stuff. Like if you have a good team that knows the stuff, then it doesn't really, I feel like it would it'd be such a big factor. So like for Corey, you know, I think he, he knows a lot, you know, or he, he's comp, he's confident, but it's going to depend on like, does he have the guys around him that can, right? you know, lead him, lead him onto the right path. And I, I would like to say so, because they got a season of, you know, development underneath them. And, uh, I mean, any, everybody that was riding that BMW, you know, Corey and, uh, Travis Wyman, I really felt like they're, they elevated this last year. Cause I mean, I've, I've battled those guys a lot in previous years. And then this yeah. year it was like, all of a sudden Corey is just like untouchable. And I'm like, what the heck? I've, I beat this dude at CVMA when he was on a Cowie, but like now, like, He's just on another level, like. Yeah, dude's going fast for sure. Yeah, I, right? I would. I wish I. Uh, I would. I would have loved. I actually did just get to try one of the, a friend of mine's M1000 that had like his map Corey Alexander's mapping on it and all this stuff. I rode it at Chapwalla and it pretty much was like the nail in the coffin for me moving forward. You know, out of stock thousand. Because wow, I'm like, if, I, if I'm not on this bike, what's the point? Like, yeah. that that bike is, it's a legal bike, but it's such a cheater bike. <laughs> like, it's such a cheater bike. But, hey, it's legal. Like, you got to play, you know, play the rules. You know, yeah. that, that yeah. bike is, it's a weapon. So so let's talk about coaching a little bit. I, I, I was talking to you and you, you said that you've been doing some coaching lately, the what, last year or so, a couple years? I've been coaching, like... I would say like one-on-one, -on -one, like track day coaching I've been doing since, since COVID, since 2020, but I've been putting on like race schools and like stuff like that since 2014, like quite oh, a while. Cool. Yeah. So like doing supermoto and like flat track type schools. So. And like has, um, has coaching, um, aided in your own writing? Big time, big time. And like I said, it start, all started at, uh, a ridiculous uh a ridiculous camp i can't remember what they called it it was like the first of its kind but like there were six of us i think oh it's called rick development camp i believe so oh, okay it was like six riders i want to say it was me for sure cameron peterson because i remember we had to share a room at this place in palm springs together but there was like six other like moto america riders and uh that's where i first met ken so it's funny, I'd been racing, you know, road racing for like eight years and racing professionally for three. And I had never been coached in my life. And I remember feeling like such a novice, like after our first few video sessions with like Ken, I'm like, oh my God, like 
just stuff I didn't even think about. But, it, uh, but yeah, I started working with Ken, and then that led to, you know, I learned the fundamentals and applied them, and it definitely helped a lot with my riding, and it's something I think about every time I go ride now. And so, yeah, I've been kind of working under his wing, I would say, and I feel like the coaching stuff has slowed down for me a bit, a bit lately. It's uh, it's funny, you know, racers, they want to go fast, but they don't want to invest in themselves. So it's really like I, I mostly coach like older track day guys. Really? I would say these days, yeah. I mean, my time, you know, my time is worth something. So I got to, you know, like it's, it's hard to – coaching be tough to be profitable if you're like all you got to coach on is a race bike. So like luckily now I have a KTM and then I had a I had a ZX10 that I got rid of recently but I had a you know basically a bone stock ZX10 I could yeah. coach on so I'm not like having to worry about you know what what gas that's going in it and and whatnot and I got plenty of takeoffs but I mean yeah. you see you see the coaching like the, there's a bunch of guys doing it down here I mean you know Josh Hayes and you know Tony Elias is coaching yeah um, I haven't uh, Jake. Jake Zimke coaches still. Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, yeah, well, SoCal's for sure a big hotbed for that. And yeah. coaching wasn't even a thing until Ken really moved up in our area. You know, that it wasn't yeah. a thing. You know, there, yeah, and it's funny now it's just exploded. But even then, it's like it's kind of saturated now. Like everybody thinks they're a coach. Like that's and the frustrating part. about that part. with Ken, right? Like everybody's a coach now. Isn't that fun? that's that's the worst part about it because you yeah there's just there's too many guys who think they know something and i'm like well, man if you just apply what you're teaching like you would do a lot better i, so yeah. I don't understand like again it comes down to money and people don't want to invest in a good coach sometimes like racers especially they're a lot of them are cheap you know and yeah. i get it like you gotta put your money you can put your money towards going and racing or getting new tires or you know maybe you have to back down the racing a little bit and take some time to go get some proper training. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a grind. Like I, I have some good clients I like to work with, but I definitely didn't do as much this past year. One, because I was busy with a lot of racing, but also just because, you know, it's some people are, it's tough to deal with some people, you know, and a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people don't, like I said, they are not willing to invest in themselves. So that's, that's fair. That's, yeah. that's definitely fair. I, you know, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy it. Like don't get me wrong. I love, I love working with people who are really excited and really enthusiastic about it. You know, that's yeah. a lot of fun, but you know, the other part too is like you get clients that, you know, it's always easy to work with somebody that has a lot to gain, you know, yeah. easy when there's easy seconds to be had. But once you start working with somebody who, is already really good and they're just trying to find that you know little bit extra like that's where it can kind of get frustrating yeah. you know on both sides you know if they're not getting the results they want or if i'm not getting oh for know, sure th them to you know to see the bigger picture and something so it's and that's it's not just you i mean i've heard josh hayes tell me uh, man i ain't gonna ride the bike for him <laughs> yeah right yeah it's so. I, I like josh he Josh is, uh, he's definitely, I, I would consider him a mentor. And it's, it's funny because oh, I never 100%. really knew, I never really knew him, uh, while he was racing, but after he, like, 
technically retired. I would say I, I met him on a plane on our way to Daytona. I was going out for a flat track race, and we started chatting. And, and uh, it's funny. I didn't even – I would never thought he even knew who, who I was. And then he started uh, kind of giving me some advice because back in 2019 – 2018 I was racing an R1 and I was like one of the only guys road racing an R1 in Moto America so you know he'd just come up and give me advice I was like just so blown away that he'd take the time you know to Dude. try to help me out and now now he's definitely like one of the guys I always talk to when I go to SoCal we go ride motocross or I'll go stay try to stay with him like him and Melissa are super cool so yeah but uh yeah his his style like I because I'm around sometimes I like his style like you know, so I'm yeah, not super laid back. Yeah. yeah. But you know, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you, you know, how it is, you know? Oh, for sure. But like, but like he, he, a guy like that, he can say that like me, like I'm not as, I'm not half as, I'm not nearly anywhere on the radar of what he's accomplished in road racing. So like, I can't kind of command, you know, that swagger that he has, you know, when he's <laughs> coaching like that. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you could grow a mullet. That, that'd be a good start. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I like coaching. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's rewarding. It's but it's a lot of work. And you know, like I said last year, I just had so much so so much going on that it was it, it took away from the, some of the coaching stuff just because like I only have so much energy. But uh, yeah, I hope to do more coaching again this year. So like uh, you know, there's there's a couple of comments coming in, but like, what do you what like what advice would you give to somebody who's like plateaued? and their lap time or whatever regular track day guy or maybe like amateur club racer and they're like just say they're at button willow and they reached 55s and they're just stuck there can't go faster i mean what it i mean what i would say is yeah i would get coaching but the thing with coaching is a lot of people they try it and then they move on to something else they don't stick with something they'll they'll go to whoever and expect that in one day they're going to have this breakthrough and that doesn't always happen. So, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta come back, you gotta stick it out. You gotta see something through. So like, I, I can see from two, there's two, two perspectives, like try to coach with anybody you can try to learn as much as you can, like, you know, go with Pridmore, go with Ken Hill, go with Jake, go with Josh, whoever. Yeah. But the hard part is I, I feel like if there is a goal that you're trying to reach, it's you got to stick to something to yeah. kind of see that through. So that's, that's where it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, I, I say like getting them to be willing to try what you're, what they're being taught as well. That's another thing, right? For sure. I mean, like, they, have you ever, have you ever had somebody that you're coaching and um, they already know what you're saying is wrong and they're giving you um, excuses as to why you're wrong? Uh, I haven't had, you know, the only like difficult person I've had was they, they're like trying to impress me or something. Yeah. So like, they're just, I'm like, look, dude, you got to like slow down to go fast. Like you're, you're trying too hard. So like, sometimes it's tough. Like they, they don't understand that part of it, you know? Yeah. Like, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's one guy I know who I don't coach with him, but like, he's like, probably any coach's worst nightmare the thing is he's mega fast like he he'll do he's done 45 145s at the ridge with the chicane on his 6000 which that's like good enough for like 
top five, top ten in a stock thousand race in North America. And this is a dude that just does track days, and like he'll ask me questions, and I don't know what it is, but he'll he'll get me scratching my head sometimes. I'm just like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like he he knows how to go fast, but he does he doesn't get coached, and yeah, I don't know, he just has his own his own. So yeah, I mean, mindset, somebody asked but... that. Somebody asked something similar to that. Like, you know, have you you ever go to a track day and get surprised by a fast guy that doesn't race? Does that happen? Yes, a Brian couple... Green. Apparently it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple couple times. Uh, it's funny, there's this guy, Sean Roberti, who's an ex-OMRA champion, and he's, he's in his later 60s, and he's still, like, PIR is an easy track, but, like, even in his late 60s, he can keep up with me most of the time on a track day. Like often I'll be coaching and I'll try to go ride with him and I can barely keep up with him. Like he's that fast. Wow. Like it's crazy. Uh, that's our, it is sometimes hard when you're like coaching all the time, going a lot slower. And then like you try to go out and ride fast. And like, I look at my lap times. I'm like, Oh my God, this is just atrocious. Like I'm like five yeah. seconds off what I would do on a, a race and I'm trying so hard and I feel so sketchy. Like it takes a little bit for you to kind of adjust back, adjust back to where I'm at, like in my riding, you know? Yeah. That sensation After, of speed in your eyes maybe, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah, that what I like about coaching and what I like about Ken Hill's program though, is I like that he really gives you the tools. Like with Jeremiah from Donut Media, I was like, Hey, like I worked with him a little bit at Chuck Walla and it was really just, it was pretty loose. It was more so I was just hanging out and riding and like, I didn't get too serious into yeah. it, you know, but I was like, Hey, like next time let's, let's do this more serious. Like I'll do the onboard footage. We'll review it, go into all that. But before we do that, like go listen to some of Ken's podcasts so that when you come to me next time, like you'll understand some of these concepts and I'll have to explain it all, you know? So I, I really like that part about what Ken's done is he's really built a program and you know a database of information that people can use so that when they get coached they can kind of keep coaching themselves you know yeah. like that's that's a, that's definitely tough sometimes you go do a school with somebody and that's it you know like yeah. you don't get like you better hopefully remember what they told you otherwise you're kind of screwed right. like it's it's usually a fun experience and what i always tell people is if you can take one thing away and you know, improve that, then that's a success. Like it's hard to like, you know, like someone's trying to work with you on seven different things. It's hard to process all that and really apply yeah. and improve on that at once. If you can take one thing and really own that, then that's, that's good. So. And treating, I, I think also, I mean, you might agree with this or not, but like to not treat the experience that you have like a religion. So like, I, I like to pick up tools, you know, it's like the, proverbial toolbox right so it's like oh that one thing that you picked up from that guy just throw that in the toolbox right yeah instead of like oh worshiping at the altar of fill in the blank school program right right and it's uh, and again because i haven't done a whole lot of stuff like i can't attest to a whole lot but i'd like to think yeah like it's there's certain things like you know yeah it's cool to have it's cool to take knowledge from different resources and what works for you like keep that you know yeah like i would love like i haven't been able to do a danny walker's american super camp like that looks like a lot of fun i see yeah. jason fredmore all the time and he's a cool cat like you know I've, I've wondered what's his program like but but yeah i mean for for people like i would like like i said i would say 
one day isn't going to, you can't expect that one day is going to change your life. You're going to have to do, you really need to stick it out with somebody long enough to really get the results that you're looking for. It's okay to try different places to find what you like, but you're going to need, you're going to need to spend some time with somebody. If you're really like at that plateau in your life where you're just yeah. not getting faster, like you need to, you know, that's a good time to change, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I know the Yamaha school jokes that, you know, they're going to unscrew your skull and pour all the knowledge in and then screw it back on and you're good. Right. There's no school like that yet. So until then, you got to figure it out, like you're saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, some people are just lucky where that you know it comes easier. You know, like some people are just naturally talented. Like for me, road racing, it was it was tough. Like I've had to work really hard to to get better. So like I remember, especially growing up in Oregon, because our, our road race season is usually April through September. We have all this time off. I remember you know showing up the day before the first race and I hadn't ridden for like six months and I'm just like having to relearn how to ride. Like it feels like it's so crazy fast because all I've been doing in the winter is riding motocross, riding flat track, going like 40 miles an hour. And then I hop onto a whatever bike and I'm just like, this is just mind melting speed. Like, I don't know. It's over the years, it's gotten easier and easier. And now it's like, it feels totally normal, but it wasn't always that way. Yeah. So I, it used yeah. to be like, I used to really feel like I had to knock some rust off because it was like, yeah. All right. So um, there's a couple of things. I wanted to bring up the NJK Leathers thing just because I, I like Kelsey a lot. Like you're uh, – I see you rocking the NJK stuff. Like uh, tell me a little bit about working with Kelsey out of San Clemente. Yeah, Kelsey's the man. So it, back when I was riding for – for Fox, Fox Racing, mm -hmm. they wanted to make me some custom leathers, and Kelsey was like the first guy I thought of. Uh, you know, I, I remember guys were in NJK. Like when I first started riding, they were one of the only custom suit companies I knew of. So it just kind of worked out good because, like, I knew like Kelsey was like one of the first guys that would like be like, all right, like I'll make you a suit branded for Fox. Because some companies wouldn't, they didn't want to do it. So. And, and Kelsey lives really close by to where Fox was based out of in Irvine. So it just worked out really good. And we got some suits going, got to meet Kelsey and just kind of kept up that relationship. And, you know, as we got a few suits made, they just kept getting better and better. And yeah, I've just been wearing the stuff ever since. I think this product is really good and uh, I'll be wearing it again this year. Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I had many a suit made from Kelsey where his hound dog was, like, sleeping in the suit while he was making it. So it's kind of funny, you know? That dude, yeah. hardcore, hardcore dirt track speedway guy, like... I and downhill kinda, skateboarding. Downhill yeah, skateboarding, He makes downhill right. skateboarding suits. Yeah, he makes all... Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really cool, <laughs> like... Uh, but yeah, his road race stuff, it's... Uh, Probably the road race side is probably one of the smaller sides of the business now. Like, cause like, like we've said earlier before offline, you know, there's such a saturated market of custom suits now. Oh yeah. But, but yeah, his, what I love about his stuff, like I, I wear full kangaroo suits and they're super light and he's got the relationship with Alpine stars. So he, he has yep. tech air compatibility and he just, it makes sick stuff. He's a cool dude, really helps me out. And, 
you know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of companies out there that, that take care of people as good as he does, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, he, he makes good stuff. I love it. So I'll be wearing it again this year. That's cool, man. And then, um, is there, is there a discipline of racing that, um, that you find, uh, let me see how I'm going to word this. Is there a, is there a discipline of racing that I guess offers you like a, a range of experiences that help you in, on anything? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like motocross for sure. Uh, I really like Supermoto. If Supermoto was, you know, really popular, I'd probably be focusing on that. That was that's always one of my favorite things to go do is ride Supermoto, and they're all really fun. But yeah, it's funny. Like I grew up racing motocross, got into road racing, and then I, I really didn't ride a whole lot of motocross for a while. But like when I came back to motocross, I had progressed. Like all the kids I grew up racing, you know they had gotten better racing motocross over the years and I just jumped back in right with them. And I was right there with hmm. them without having to ride motocross with them. Like I'm, I'm, I was doing something different for a few years, but like somehow that helped elevate me. So when I came back and I was racing those same kids, like it was like, I never skipped a beat. Like I never missed a race essentially. So yeah, motocross really, it, uh, it helps a lot of things for sure. But uh, how about you... how about a discipline that you haven't tried yet, or is there one that you're looking for? like? Are you ice racing? Are you gonna you gotta have that on the list? I really want to do some off road style racing. I I did a like a GP style event a long long time ago, but I don't know what I really want to ride is like something like Dakar, you know. Yeah. But like something, I mean Dakar is just that's a whole different deal. But like, I, I, what I'd like to do is like get on like an 890 adventure or something, do some sort of race, like, like the Baja. 400, something like that. Baja, something yeah. like that would be kind of cool. That'd be cool. Uh, it, you know, the thing I always wanted to do was Supercross, And I got a little bit of a taste of that last October with Red Bull street rhythm. So that, that was pretty fun. So, I mean, I would, I'd still like to go try to qualify for a, a Supercross race, but it, it's just Supercross. If I wanted to do that, I'd have to like put everything aside and just focus on Supercross for a year because that sport is just it's that competitive. Like I can't, I can't be dabbling in all these different things and really be competitive enough to go jump in, go race Supercross. But one of the guys that barely up qualified me at Straight Rhythm did make a main event in the 250 class. Really? Uh, at Anaheim last weekend, so I was pretty stoked on that. But again, Straight Rhythm, that's just like a 40 second straight line track is a lot different than you know an actual supercross track you know with corners like doing those Flying obstacles through the air yeah those obstacles like when you're right out of a corner with ruts it's a lot harder but but yeah i never rode supercross and i got invited to a supercross that that event so that was pretty wild i had like a month to prepare for it and on a 125 two-stroke but that was that was super cool. Like getting to ride the same track as Ken Roxon and Cooper Webb and watch those guys. And uh, that event was in conjunction with the Rolling Sands flat track race. So I was the only guy at that event racing flat track and doing Supercross at the, on on the same day. Like I would That's literally awesome. hop off, 
pop off my flat track bike, take off my steel shoe, and then go hop on my my KTM 150SX and race Supercross. That's awesome, man. So no that ice racing fun. then? You know, ice racing, I'm, I, I, it's funny, I, I hate the cold. I hate the cold. My dad, I remember my dad took me on a Harley ride when I was really little, and I just was complaining the whole time because I was cold. So yeah. his buddy Gary started calling me the human popsicle. So my name, my name was like that was my nickname for quite a while was the popsicle. But uh, I, I would totally try it. Like I would love to try it, but I just think I would be miserable. So I, I, I don't, I don't like the cold. I dude, I high five, bro. Like I'm not a cold dude either. You know. Yeah. I'm a I, total wuss with the cold. I'm game to try it. It looks super cool. Like my my friend Joe, who runs Kramer Motorcycles USA, he lives in Minnesota, and he like. They go hard out there with ice riding. Like he has this special tractor that they set up that like grades the ice and makes it smooth. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. they they go hard out there. I would I totally gotta try it someday, but I haven't tried that yet. Right on, man. All right, well, you know what? Before we wrap this up, let's go to the comments real quick because there's a bunch more. There's this Larry Lule character. Um, he says at a PIR track day they accidentally let him out in A group on his R three. And before they figured it out um, that he didn't belong, uh, you buzzed him on your R1. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that was one way to find out he was in the wrong group. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. funny. Um, how about Isle of Man? Uh, Gonzo wants to know if you if Isle of Man has a bucket list item. Uh, yeah, that's come up quite a few times. And it's something I think about and something that a few people have really pulled on my arm to go do. And yeah it's that 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 the thing with that is there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes just to get yeah. there and be ready like i was talking with renny scraysbrook i'm sure you know that name he, yeah uh, renny he's yeah of course yeah he, he told me he's like he's one of the guys that's really tried to get me to do that race and he's like hey like i i went there for like three weeks and every single day from sun up to sundown i drove that course in his rental car like that's the level of preparation you got to do as a rookie to go there because i mean you know it's 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 not a secret every, every year people die there you yeah know? so you got to pretty much expect you crash you die so you know fortunately i'm not a crasher but shit happens though right stuff, ha stuff happens yeah. so uh I, I was just at a film festival this last weekend and there was a one of the it was a motorcycle film festival so there was this film called flat six and it was about this guy i think his name's camille Ullman. he's a czech republic dude i guess he i, I looked him up he rode the daytona 200 last year he got 15th on a ducati that old hmm. motorsports bill anyway really cool film about him i mean really good film about him racing and half of it was kind of around the isle of man and it's just it's gnarly like i think i think the, the type of rider i am very calculated, cautious, but I can go fast. I think I would be really good at something like that, but I'm not sure I would be willing to take that risk. But yeah, it's it's man, it's it's a cool it's, event. It's I, a I got special it. kind of somebody. I mean, you look at those videos of Peter Hickman and you know all those Dunlop people. You know, the whole family yeah. of Dunlops, like all those guys. Man, it, yeah. it's like I, a. I, don't I know. for sure, I for sure like. Uh, if Pike's Peak ever came back, I would try Pike's Peak. 
So okay. that and then maybe that would lead to other races, but I don't know if Pike Speak's ever going to come back to motorcycles. So yeah, right now in my career, I'm not like seriously considering Isle of Man just because, again, how much I'd have to set aside to focus solely on that if I wanted a chance at being successful and safe at it. So yeah. Well, you know what, man? It's been a good shot, dude. Uh, appreciate your openness with me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll hear soon about what your plans are that you're being so coy about. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I'm surprised there wasn't more questions about RC car racing. Yeah, was... there's a couple in there. I, I mean, yeah, uh, let's just go into it then. Like, before we, ha- before we hang up, let's talk about your RC car shit. Like, you know, yeah. I was going to say the drift car thing too, but... Oh yeah, um, drift car has been apart for like a year, but it's I'm literally like probably this next month it'll be up and running. It's been getting turbocharged, so I plan on getting back into drifting again pretty soon. Because you were you were doing some pretty good content with that stupid thing for a minute. It was so fun. Like I I just got into that by accident. Like literally, uh, my local go kart track. They, they had double booked me. Like I, I was supposed to go out and do some supermoto practice during COVID and they had some drift guys out there. And it turned out the guy I met is a guy, he's a factory Ford RTR monster energy driver, driving the yeah. bus thing in form of the drift. So literally like one of the best guys on the planet. So he ended up teaching me how to drift and sold me a drift car. And like, I got pretty good at it pretty quick. Started practicing with him all the time and, some other form of drift guys. So it was just like something that I did for fun during COVID. And it's just something that's part it of me looked now. Like fun, so, dude. It yeah. looked like, it looked like a lot of fun. Like I said, nobody's had more fun than you. Um, yeah. And then the RC car thing too. I was like, what the hell I saw today. You were talking about, you commented on, uh, Danny's comment on that. And, um, yeah, I guess you were like a factory supported driver yeah, I, I guess you I, call I, it yeah I've, I've been pretty much a, yeah so i started racing rc from getting hurt racing motorcycles go figure and huh. uh yeah I, like just kind of really hit that hard and i'm still a factory driver but yeah i drove for this company called kyosho for like seven years and and uh now i drive for a company called team losi racing and but yeah i'm like a full factory rc car racer so, you know, I, I used to do it more seriously as a teenager. Like, I'd actually make money sometimes. Like these companies would fly me out to races all over the country. And yeah, I'd race. It's just as serious as anything else. I mean, we there's, like, live broadcasting, you know, of the races. We have transponders made by MyLaps. Like, they're just little tiny versions of what we use on our bikes. And we change all sorts of settings, you know, with electronics or tire tire compounds treads shock oil shock springs all that stuff but yeah i just it's just a fun hobby i i'm just i'm I'm addicted to racing i built actually have an rc car track on my house and we had a couple races last year so like hopefully that'll be a nice little side income thing you know to make rent this summer hopefully is having rc car races at my house you know on the weekends and uh but yeah it's it's fun i love racing so a couple of words just came out of your mouth, and I think that's going to be our T-shirt from you. Um, I'm addicted to racing. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I don't know if you know this. I I've been making like I've been having I, yeah. some, I've been having I some saw guests the lately. Yeah, and, I've seen um, a couple of the T-shirts you did. 
Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they should be on my website in the next day or so. But, um, yeah, the Scumbags is Honor from Melissa. And then there was Sometimes You Gotta Get Aggressive from Stefano. Right? But yeah. I couldn't include the part where he said, and take somebody out. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, uh, Ken Hill said, this ain't bowling. Yeah, that one's my favorite. Right? That one's my favorite. Um, yeah. And yours is, I'm addicted to racing. I, I I think I'm going to have my t-shirt person uh, throw that out there. Um, yeah, I, I got to have, like, I got to do some, like, video stuff. Like, I used to do some really good video content. And, yeah. Uh, but I would love to show people a day in the life of me. Like, because sometimes, sometimes I'll literally, like, you know, be work. Like, t- a typical day in the wintertime, I should say, is, like, I'm at my computer, like, doing motorcycle-related emails, you know, trying to get ready for the season. And then, you know, I might go ride you know, motocross or go do something. And then in the evening, you know, like once a week, I'll go race RC cars. And then like after I'm done racing RC, like at 10 PM, I'll get home and then I'll like hop on and play a racing game or something. Like I literally just like racing all day. Like I just, wow. I don't know. It's, yeah. I like I, it. I, I just, yeah. Like, yeah, racing, we'll, we'll I'll race anything. Kind of, I'll, I'll make sure once, once we come up with whatever design, I'll make sure I get you one. Oh Yeah. Right cool. on. But yeah, well, yeah, dude, man, it's, it's, it's been a great I, chat, bud. Like, uh, yeah. you know, fuck, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this thing. Can you believe that? I know. There's <laughs> there's so much there's so much we could go into, like, just, yeah, facets of writing and stuff I've done. I mean, yeah. those, some of the stories I have, I could I could go on and on. But yeah, well, like, I'll dude, have some I'd love to have you on again. You know, maybe I'll check in with you mid-season, see where, how things are going with you and... You know, we could talk about like how that program that you haven't mentioned yet is going. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, expect to see week. you at Daytona. Yeah, well, I'll be at Daytona 100. You can okay. definitely count on seeing me there in Super Hooligans. And right uh, yeah, and I'll see you soon. I'll be coming down to. I'm trying to decide when I'm leaving, but I'm planning on doing the uh, the upcoming track days and racing CRA. Nice. So I'll see you down there. Be, Duke yeah, come to that beautiful metop- metropolis of Buttonwillow, California. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. I I, I like that track. I haven't been there in a while. Nice. But, uh, yeah, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll I'll see. get to ride with you. For sure, for sure. Right on, bud. Well, you know what? Good chatting with you, man. And uh, I guess I'll see you next week. And dude, again, appreciate your time, man. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. I like like what you do with these things. So just want to be part of it. Right on, man. Peace out. See ya.